Welcome to the Faces podcast. We're a Christian and Muslim charity working to build resilience in faith communities against child sexual exploitation and other forms of harm. We'll be talking about what faith and interfaith work means to us and how we embed an inclusive and authentic approach throughout our work. Hello and welcome to our podcast today. And today, uh, Melissa and I are going to be discussing the uh, illegal immigration bill. And um, that's gone through uh, the, the Commons twice and is now sitting with the House of Lords. And I sat and listened to a couple of hours of debate in the House of Lords uh, online, thanks to the technology that they've got, um, and, and listened to some of the arguments on it. And that's something we want to discuss today. And I think um, it has big ramifications uh, for much that's happening around um, people seeking asylum and, and refugees and it's probably got some big implications for the country. And uh, I think it's a really important thing for us as faces to be discussing. Um, it deals with young people and their vulnerability. And it deals with um, people moving countries and and their vulnerabilities. But assumption is that if you have a strong enough deterrent, people won't get in boats and cross to another country. And so if we make things really, really bad, no one will do that. And I um, think that might not be the case. Um, and the bill in trying to tackle that and send people to Rwanda or other countries um, in order to be assessed and, and all of that, if that ever happens, is, is something that's supposed to be this deterrent that stops people crossing in the first place. Um, this kind of thing has been t tried by Australia and other countries like that. Um, and I think that's where some of it is, has been thought through. But there's international agreements that countries have signed up to. And the 1951 United Nations Convention relating to the status of refugees says the following. A person um, who, owing to well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion, is outside the country of his nationality and is unable or owing to much such fear is unwilling to avail himself of the protection of that country, who not having a nationality and being outside of the country of his former habitual residence as a result of such events, is unable or owing to much fear, is unwilling to return to it. And that's the definition of a refugee. And I think in some of the bill and some of how it's dealing with this, it's trying to separate um, people seeking asylum from refugees. It's trying to define things in certain ways, which is a current system we have now, but actually uh, working that further. It has to do with um, people's legal right to enter the country and its definition of that um, and what pathways they are that are legal to actually enter the country. Um, there's no clear definition of, of, that I can see um, in 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 this that works uh, for the numbers that are, are around the world. Um, some of the key factors are some people speak English; they don't speak the the countries of a, a you know language of other nations. So some of the draw is English, um, but there's no way of addressing the how people can legally come from somewhere like uh, Sudan straight into the UK. 
Um, and so, so because there's no legal passages or limited, tiny little limited legal passages around the world, there's, there's this kind of, it's, it's an unreal thing for the weight of, of people movements that are happening in the world. Uh, one of the Lib Dem lords that was speaking, um, basically he described it as, as King Canute trying to hold back the tide, which he'd got from a, a paper he'd read. And he was saying, in some ways, isn't it better to work on the flow of water rather than uh, trying to stop the tide. And so there's suggestions in some of the arguments coming from the House of Lords uh, like that. And um, I think it'd be good for us to discuss this and the implications of the bill and and some of those things. It, it hasn't been made law yet. It's still got to go through the Lords, um, but we're trying to have a look at the implications for that. Um, is, is it morally right? to treat people like this. Um, as a Christian, I'd say, you know, there's this um, a whole load in the Bible about how you treat the sojourner, how you treat the person who's who's moving through your country, how, how you should treat them and how you should treat them right. I think this bill kind of does clash with that. It puts, it's almost treating them like a prisoner for coming into your country rather than um, how, how we help these people, how we care for these people. And, and there's arguments that were in the House of Lords when I listened to it um, saying basically, um, you know, this isn't what we've been known for as a country. This changes something. Um, so that's that's my initial uh, delve into it. I don't know if you'd like to chip into that, Melissa. Thanks, Nigel. Um, just thinking a lot as you're t- talking, um, starting with what you said about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the bill being a deterrent for people to travel essentially over from France. Um, and I think the fact that we put that into focus really misses the much, much bigger picture, the problem, um, the problems that refugees face worldwide. You know, there are many different reasons why people flee their country, as you outlined in the, the definitions of what a refugee is. Um, a lot of that can, might be war. A lot of that might be climate. A lot of, a lot of that is persecution um, in their, their home country for various different characteristics that they might have um, that causes them to not be safe in their country. Um, and those are the real issues that need addressing on a global scale. And the Refugee Convention was part of making sure that that those people can be protected in a way that, you know, countries agree um, in, of the processes that uh, we can do that through. You know, we could talk about the way that weapons are sold and used across the world by and from different countries and how that uh, has a direct link to refugees then traveling and coming to different countries. Um, And we can also talk about the state of asylum processes um, and acceptance rates in other countries and the living conditions of refugees in, for example, Calais in France um, and how the camps are torn up and all the equipment and belongings are taken from people um, on a very regular basis and why that might be a reason that people... um, go from one perceivably, quote, safe country to another. Um, you know, there are clear reasons there. And um, we, I suppose we, when we look at these um, problems, quote, unquote, in isolation of, oh, the, the, the rates of refugees that are coming into the UK or the deaths that happen for people trying to get here, and we forget that we live in a global society and actually all of these kind of different challenges and circumstances are interlinked and we should really be having a much broader conversation about what's causing what and where we can really make a change rather than always just dealing with 
the kind of the end result Mm. um and the bill doesn't tackle any of those things the bill just makes it harder for people who are already in a unimaginable difficult circumstance um for whatever reason they've had to flee their country um and facing barriers to to accessing that human right of of being given um asylum and being accepted as a refugee um in the countries that they've gone to before us because that's the reality um and we're just kind of another door that's trying to close on them and and we're forgetting that this is extremely vulnerable children and adults who may have been through war may have experienced torture uh, may have been trafficked and and also let's not pretend i think that the concern here is primarily the the deaths that are happening in the channel of people trying to get here and we can see from the way that our government uh, and as in particular politicians have spoken about refugees um, and migrants and all of the other quote others um, that it seems to be much more about just not wanting to let quote them in um, rather than about saving lives because if it was about saving lives we'd be trying to make our asylum processes easier and we'd be trying to create safe routes for people to to come here to seek asylum. In all of this what a lot of what you've said um, a, a lot of those arguments were there in some of the discussion in the House of Lords. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't listen to the House of Commons argument, which I probably should have as well, you know, to get a full view of this. But but I think looking at the arguments, they were quoted time and time again, so many NGOs, uh, non-governmental organisations, have been contacting us, telling us, all these organisations been letting us know what's wrong with this bill. And so that was being mentioned in in the Lords time and time again. And one of those organisations which I, I know has been involved, um, you know, is is Evangelical Alliance. They, they've come from that argument. Their, their key things are they, they're concerned about safe routes, concerned about detention and bail, um, their concern is for the support of unaccompanied children, um, and 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 also the fact that those unaccompanied children could be locked up um, as part of this process. I think for seventy-two hours or something like that. Um, and their concerns about how how people are being treated and 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 real things like this are all those organisations are writing in and bringing those concerns into the house of lords and saying come on consider this ha- have some heart look at this this isn't going to work this is a much bigger picture this not solving any of these issues that you you've mentioned there melissa and i think um some of those issues are are huge our money that we normally give to overseas aid is being used on dealing with asylum seekers here in the uk in hotels and what a lot of people don't realize is that why are we giving money over there where we've got needs here? Um, needs is always relative. <laughs> you know, it's always in, in some situations, you know, someone might, well, I need a new Mercedes Benz because I can't afford a Porsche or something. You know, it, it all works through in different levels in different countries and different settings. But the overseas aid budget has been one of the things that has helped prevent 
a lot of this migrant moving around the world by putting money into key locations around the world where there's need and helping people. And as a result, if you help people in their local area, if you if you help prevent war in some of these places, or you don't arm uh, militant groups, those all those things help people feel more settled in the situation they're in. There's no need to run across the world. The other thing that really stands out, and I've sort of sat and thought about this, I don't want to get this wrong, I want to get this right. There's a book I read on the undeserving and deserving poor by Natalie Williams um, and Martin Charlesworth. And the Victorians had this method of saying, these are the deserving poor, they deserve our help. And these are the undeserving poor that don't deserve our help. And they categorized poor people in those two categories. And the undeserving, the, 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 the undeserving poor were the ones that, that had alcohol problems or some other thing like that, that they deserved the poverty they're in. The, the, the deserving poor were the ones who, who actually, they, they could, they could help because they've fallen on hard times or there's something like this. And so by their categorization, they tried to put people in two camps. What we've seen in governments time and time again since that point in Victorian history is they have this old doll bludgers you, you had with Thatcher. You know, you had these kind of labels people were put on. And, and actually, some of those are very unfair. And actually, some of them aren't even understanding the issues involved in some of those things. Um, and and so as a result, these labels don't help. And I think that's the kind of approach I'm seeing with this, that, that people are putting a label on people and saying that they, they're deserving, they're undeserving, they they migrants, they they're asylum seekers, they they and they're illegal and they're legal. And all these categorizations of people that I've read, I've looked through the reporters, you know, read through chunks of it. I haven't read the whole thing because it's huge. But 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 actually in reading through some of those things, you're finding these categories. And it's almost like the assumption you're wrong before you're proved right is the basis for it. Now, I'm just sort of wondering, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable to have that approach into some of the neediest people uh, around and and I find that difficult um, personally. Yeah, go for it, Melissa. It's extremely dehumanising, um, and the, the idea of illegal and legal. And I know that in the the bill terms, it's it's talking about the act of migration rather than the person. But we've seen it, um, you know, in in the language used around this whole issue. The the, the word illegal is often used about the person, um, and not only is that wrong to anyone in any circumstance but when that person is someone who's um in in such a difficult circumstance and is so at risk because of um what they're coming from and also what they're facing in terms of the challenges to to gaining um asylum um it's just so wrong it's so wrong um yeah i think um it in 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 many ways, uh, I just wonder whether we should work through uh, the the key issues raised. I mean, I'm yeah. going to use the basis of the Evangelical Alliance one, the safe routes. Mm-hmm. Um, their their statement on it is this: without more safe routes for people to claim asylum in the UK, those in need of refuge will continue to risk their lives by making dangerous crossings to the UK. 
If the government truly want to lessen the number of people making these crossings, they need to create more safe routes to seek asylum in the UK. The few schemes that currently exist, i.e. the UK resettlement scheme, community sponsorship and the mandate scheme, only allow for people experiencing fear or persecution in a very select number of circumstances and from specific countries such as Ukraine or Afghanistan to enter the UK. We'll be asking peers to amend the bill to create safe a clear, safe and legal paths to seek asylum in the UK for people experiencing persecution across a much wider range of countries. And I think that's that, that sounds like a, a reasonable, sensible suggestion. I don't, I don't know what you think, Melissa. So if we look at the, the number of um, actual applications for asylum that are made, um, just looking here, it's around 75,000 applications were made in 2022. Um so the total number of applications for people claiming asylum, which was for around 90,000 people. So we're talking about applications having multiple people in the case of families. And if we compare that to, if we contrast that to the year ending in June 2022, 170,000 visas were granted for Ukrainian nationals. So we're looking at around twice as many um, visas were given to Ukrainian nationals as the total uh, number of asylum claims that were made in a similar year. So this idea that we don't have space or that migrants aren't going to contribute to society or that we have a kind of inherent problem with, with that, it, it's just clearly untrue and it, the, the figures just don't hold up. Um, and so we definitely can do more. We definitely can do more. Mm. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if it's, if, if it's actually... Um, by doing more, it's actually how do you utilize this as a strength? Actually, I've I've noticed in a lot of things there is strength in diversity, there's strength in numbers, there's strength in some of these things. And and actually with Brexit and leaving the EU and not having that flow of people across our borders in, in the same way, isn't it smart to use the what's happening with with people wanting to move to the uk actually to do that really really well you'd, you'd have a strength built into the country um i lived years ago in in australia and someone in australia said to me if australia doesn't have a certain number of migrants it begins to die as a country so they have to have a balance um of people coming in and 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 actually, um, I, I thought that was interesting. It shocked me at the time because I hadn't thought of it like that. I thought countries just functioned. <laughs> but actually, there is something of that life and that flow uh, in and out of a country that has an impact. Expats all over the, the country bring in um, income by creating networks with business companies and all sorts of things across the world so that interlinking is is a very powerful dynamic and i think that's that's interesting um with with the current uh, migrants um and yeah. the issues faced and just going back to the um you know making it difficult for people to enter and um, that that first um that first issue on the point of the bill um in that people must come from the country that they're fleeing essentially they must come directly from there but we know that if there are no safe routes facilitated by the uk then that's going to be impossible and therefore people's claims if this bill is accepted 
uh, will be automatically rejected and they won't be allowed to appeal. Um, and that kind of links into the second problem of the bill as well, uh, that makes it easier to remove people. Um, and that's because of this idea, and I'm getting this uh, information from the Joint Council of the Welfare of Immigrants, their um, briefing on this bill. Um, rather than looking at individual case-by-case -case, uh, circumstances and, and being able to make a decision based on the actual applicant, um, the bill wants to introduce this idea of there being a general risk associated to particular countries and essentially applications being granted or denied on those basis rather than on the the circumstances of the people or the characteristics of the people. And this seems to be a, a very similar problem that we see in the kind of the, the numbers discrepancy and the, the attitude discrepancy with Ukraine versus every other, um, you know, refugee. It's that we're saying, well, these people are, are we'll, we'll allow them in on whichever basis kind of, kind of we can put up for debate. And I'm sure we'd have a, a lot of different opinions. Um, but the bill will kind of solidify that way of thinking. And it will be saying, yes, actually, we can kind of give a blanket yes and a blanket no based on the circumstances of country. But that, that, that whether a country is in war or not is not the only uh, reason for someone to be able to claim asylum. So it's just completely, completely unfair. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I think... Um, looking at the detention um, side of things um, in its current form, and, and we need to remember that this bill can be adapted and changed as it goes through the House of, of Lords, but in its current form, the bill allows for children to be detained for up to 72 hours. And, um, you know, a, a, any kind of detention of children is unacceptable and inhumane. I, I know from other settings that even on criminal grounds, trying to find places for children who've been arrested is very, very difficult. So, so that's harder to find just in the country, let alone with people crossing and arriving in the country and, and being detained for 72 hours. Where are those going to be? Are they going to be safe houses run by councils? And, and if councils are struggling to manage young people and, and that in, in that way, it's, it, it's pretty, you know, I don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. You know, I think, I think one of the things that came up in the conversation um, with the house of Lords was that unaccompanied children at the moment, some councils are having to house them in hotels on their own rather than in facilities. And what those young people then do is very vulnerable to organized criminal gangs. It's very vulnerable to a lot of these things. The other real concern in the bill about unaccompanied children was that actually when these children get to 18, so there might be some protections in the bill until they're 18. Once they arrive at 18, they're sent away kicked out the country they lose all their rights and so what's going to happen they were saying was a lot of those children when they get to 17 and a half <laughs> will disappear into places will become untraceable uh, because of the fear of being sent back or the fear of what happens to them and so there's the thought processes behind this um the the, the kind of the the categories that people are put into has has very little hope in it and i think there should be hope uh rather than a criminalizing of people um in this process so there's a lot that needs to be 
changed in the bill in my opinion um i i hope some of that will yeah me too sorry I'm, I'm feeling a little bit struggling a little bit with um just the reality of, of what we're talking about mm-hmm. um yeah and i think we you we, know in the uk we kind of have this very solid idea of anyone under 18 is an is a child um and therefore we do what we can to protect them and it's everyone's responsibility to protect them right and we should have kind of a really contextual and and holistic sort of view of of how we're making sure young people are safe um but we know that so many under 18s are traveling alone um and seeking asylum in our country um and we definitely aren't doing all we can do to protect them um you know we're not listening to we're not we're not fast tracking and listening to their claims and and making sure that they are giving refugee status and all of that, that all that comes with that um, and as you said we're they're being placed in hotels which makes them extremely vulnerable and oftentimes it, it's being placed in hotels with other adults as well not just the hotels full of children that we've heard of with children going missing um and that can be with or without kind of age disputes happening um for various sort of different circumstances so it's it's all very it's extremely it's extremely difficult um it's extremely difficult to talk about so we can only imagine the the actual realities of, of people yeah, that yeah. are in these situations yeah and and i think um yeah the other side of it and i think this is the the, the other bit which i think in, in our discussion we need to mention um is what is the government trying to tackle? And the the issue that it seems they're trying to tackle is organized criminal gangs bringing people over and exploiting laws and loopholes and laws. And so this is an attempt to close those and assuming that that will close down organized criminal activity on this subject. And, and, And with the knowledge of what happens, any organized criminal activity will find the next way through something. You know, all the efforts by organizations and laws to stop drugs coming into this country doesn't work. And and so how is a law or a bill like this going to do that with people and people trafficking when when that is happening all over the world and and right currently in the UK at the moment? I don't see how this piece of paper is going to manage to stop a lot of that. And I think um, in fairness to the government, I can see what they're trying to do, but I think there are other ways of approaching this. And so, so that's my personal opinion. I think there's other ways to approach that, but there are difficulties they are trying to address. And I think to be fair to them, not just hit from one side, but actually saying this is trying to address a huge global problem it's it's trying to address things in other countries where there's no power to do anything about it there's there's a trying to address people making money off this and horrendous amounts of money and people using people in this and so there's attempts to address some of those things but i think the methods of addressing it may make the problem slightly worse rather than making it better and i think that's the difficulty i'm in, in a way i'm glad i'm not in government because i don't think i've got the solutions it seems that one part of that solution would definitely be to create more safe routes for people to claim asylum in the uk and in other countries um 
you know, that would obviously stop a level of, of human trafficking that happens. Um, it would stop then funding the, the criminal gangs that you're talking about. Um, that's definitely one thing that needs to happen. And the, the, the other side of that is even if this bill does create a deterrent for people crossing the channel, as we've talked about, even if it does, that doesn't suddenly mean that these people that we're talking about don't exist, that they aren't um, still in the situations that they're in. They're just stuck somewhere else uh, with the same challenges. So it really doesn't help people um, at all. It doesn't help people. Um, it doesn't solve, doesn't really solve the problems. And as we've talked about in terms of numbers um, of Ukrainian nationals that were given visas and settled here, it can be done. You know, there is a space, there is the facility to do it. Um, there are just a lot of other issues that need, I suppose, tackling for what, why that's not being, it's not happening for other people. Yeah. And, and I think that compassion in the heart of it is is so important. And when you get to hard things like laws, that often gets thrown out, um, but needs to be in the heartbeat of the law. Uh, I think there's in 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 um, in in terms of the law, you've got the law itself, which is words <laughs> written down, but there's the heart of the law, and I think there's something in the heart of the law that's needed in this, and hopefully will arrive in place in the House of the Lords. Um, you know, as it goes through or doesn't go through, um, but it's 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 got weight behind it. I I think, um, you know, it, there's a definitely some deep debate going on there. I look forward to hearing the second debate on it uh, that takes place with with some of the voting as well. That'll be the interesting stage. Um, but thank you, Melissa. I think we've had a good chat, and and yeah, it is that compassion and. And yeah, it, talking about this does stir the stir stuff and is yeah. very emotive. Thanks, Nigel. <laughs>